what does it mean to be an intentional leader? Leading with intentionality sounds simply inspiring, but in this episode, we will learn how to implement it effectively to truly lead and motivate your team. Welcome to the Bootstrappers Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs scale their business with remote teams. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, here with my co-host, and spouse Jeremy Aspen, and together at Anaquim, we have helped hundreds of companies grow their business through remote professionals. Our guest is Finian Kelly, an internationally renowned speaker and a seasoned leadership coach behind business, finance, nonprofit, military, and spiritual leaders across the globe. And today he reveals the techniques for you to live each day with intent. Finian is an internationally renowned speaker and a seasoned leadership coach behind business, finance, nonprofit, military, and spiritual leaders across the globe. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Finian? I'm doing amazing, thank you. It's uh, coming to the holiday season. I'm back home in Aspen. Very cool. It's nice. Oh, well, that doesn't suck. I saw you, Finian, speak at an EO event uh, where you teach leaders how to be more intentional with their lives. And I just found it so inspirational. And so that's why we wanted to have you on the show. Um, But one of the things that leaders are dealing with, and one of the questions I had for you, is how do leaders, after they go to an event like that, and they're so inspired, take that inspiration and lead their team in a more intentional way? That's a great question. One of the most important things is that as a leader is that we're actually put in practice before we go preach to anyone else. So we we understand that we have this great energetic field around us. And when we change our field, it actually starts interacting with other people's fields as well. So the first thing is, is apply something. I always say you're one breath away from intentionality because one breath gives you a chance to pause and then choose how you want to respond in a situation with a new behavior rather than a reactionary program. So that would be the first thing I recommend is just apply something that you learn. And then once you've had some experience with it and seen the results, then it's easier to introduce this to other people because they, they will actually have experienced the transformation in yourself. That That is helpful because you can't really give something that you don't have yourself. Yeah, that's right. And it, it's just easier as a leader. I'm always, I think in any opportunity when you can come from a humble place and actually share, you know what? I was, I identified that this was a weakness of mine or something I was struggling. I heard this, I've applied it, and this is what I've learned from it. And perhaps you've even seen the positive effects as well. Maybe, and then actually ask them, maybe this is something you'd like to try as well. It becomes a lot simpler to introduce and then it's it's a collective growth environment rather than what often happens in the leadership situations of we're pushing things down and it comes across as that we're the know-it-all and everyone else is less than us. But really we're all growing together. Well, I think maybe we should back up and just talk a little bit about what your message is to leaders so that way we can see how they might apply it to their teams. Beautiful. So in the simplest forms, I I define intentionality as deciding how you want to feel and then taking deliberate action towards making that a reality. So it's a very feeling-based model plus the the action as well. So we think of uh, there's a 
there's a system called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. And they start with a vision and then they work out like, all right, what's the strategy to make that happen? Intentionality is very similar. The big difference is, is that we focus on the feelings. What do we want to experience as a company? And then how do we actually make that happen? Rather than what often happens is we get focused on, I don't know, we want to scale to this size company. We want to be the leading person in the in the industry. And that's, that could be one way, but really what we're trying to do is we want to feel something. And then how do we as a, as a group all work together collectively to create that, that, that feeling environment for us? Because effectively, in a, in a company, we have a group of individuals that make up the collective. So when we change the individual, we also change the collective as well. So really being aware of what's happening in our belief loops. I talk about these negative belief loops. What are these negative belief loops that are in us individually? And then what are our negative belief loops as a collective, which are holding us back from really succeeding, fulfilling, fulfilled, and having our greatest impact on the world? So what are some examples of feelings that, because this is so new to a lot of the businesses that we work with, we work with a lot of people in property management, which I don't know, but feelings are a little bit maybe harder for us to to deal with in terms of leading a team. So. Yeah, even just hearing the word, it kind of sounds a little foo-foo, you know, like yeah. it, because in business, the theory is, or at least what we're brought yeah. up with is that we're supposed to be data driven or some variety of science inspiring us to take our next steps. Um, I, but I, I, you know, I'm not going to answer the question. I guess that that is a question, but um, part of it is that we're human and we are sentient and we are social. And if we're going to actually be able to enjoy our lives, we better embrace that part of it. Also robotic to be a robotic being is not to be a being. Well, it's at fake. All. It's fake. It looks douchey too. <laughs> like, 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 oh, I'm perfect. Whatever. Uh, yeah. So the question. So the question is like, can you give us an example of a feeling an organization would choose to feel and then how that ends up trickling down to the operation, if you will? Mm. So I literally just got off a coaching call with one of my clients all about this. We we're talking about the, they're, they're preparing for their annual strategic meeting and they're, they're talking about like what's their theme and we were going well the theme ultimately needs to be the first thing that's set rather than the last thing the afterthought because the theme then it trickles down on everything if we want to feel a particular way then it determines the decision so we were talking about things like uh unlimited what's possible these type of themes and they're feeling like free mm. or impactful and then we went, okay, if we wanted that as a, say, for example, we wanted to be impactful as our overall feeling, then what do we need to do within our company to feel impactful? It might be, well, we need to be um, improving our product delivery. So it actually, we're having more impact for our clients. It might be more, we want to set up an impact arm in our business. We might want to have more impact on the employees' lives as well. So you can see how it starts driving the actual strategic priorities when you get the connected to that feeling. And what's I'm really glad you brought up about the people go, oh, feelings, I'm not sure about that. Business should be just be data. The whole story when people say, oh, I'm just a logical being, I'm like, you're not. There isn't a single logical human on earth. We are emotional right. beings first. When people say, oh, no, I'm an I'm a analytical person, 
No, you're not, because you actually have coded negative belief loops in there, which are determining some of your decisions, your logic as well. And they're all they're all created through an emotional experience at some point in your life. And I'm I if you people try to challenge me, I'm one of the most technically sound people. I have a master's degree, a physics degree, I was a finance expert, I have like all the left side analytical things. And I realized it was an actual flaw thinking that I was a logical being. I had to get in touch with this emotional side because it really is determining our decisions because the subconscious determines 95% of our decisions each day and the subconscious is built on feelings. So so it doesn't matter what consciously you want, yeah. you have something working against you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. I Whenever you hear somebody talk about that, like I'm a very logical uh, person, you're like, uh, okay, well, except, you know, th that you're a human and you are an emotional being. And the only real reason you deploy reason is to help discover reasons for you to believe your already perceived emotional responses. Like the reason is used as a support mechanism for the reason you feel one way. It lawyers on behalf of the feeling. It lawyers on behalf of your already existing feelings. Now, the only way we have around right. that is the scientific method. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's a fascinating mm -hmm. topic. I just mm -hmm. love and it. What's interesting is, yeah, and there's something called cognitive dissonance, which is a situation where you actually will find evidence to support your beliefs. So this whole logical person, they're just looking for data, and you can twist data any way you want to support your beliefs. That's how literally the po political system runs in, in America right now. So when you say you're logical <laughs> right. and you trust yep. data, how can you trust it? Because we, we actually have a blind spot in that area. Um, I wonder if I can drill down a little bit to uh, so maybe a, the specifics of business and email. I'm, I'm on this kick with email right now, but intentionality and email, you know, email is, uh, you know, everybody feels like they're getting stuff done. They really never have to take a whole bunch of time to have to do deep work. Um, and so when you're talking to businesses, do you have a section about email and how you can make it more intentional by chance? Because. To me, it seems counterintuitive. You almost can't have email and be intentional. I don't know if that's true, but it's where I am right now today. It makes me laugh because this is a personal journey I've just recently been on. I realized I was addicted to email. It's been part of our life for a really long time. And it, it does give us a big dose of dopamine when we, when we complete an email, even though it doesn't actually often add that much value to what we're doing as a company. It also, the problem with the email is every time you email, you think you're, you're getting the inbox clear, but it creates more emails because that's the nature. It's an unlimited process. And the other problem is, is it can also be a, a source of cortisol because you might get some unpleasant information in your email and then that hijacks your emotions and actually puts you in a state where you're not into a creative zone. So. So email is a very important part to, to start dealing with, with intentionality. So for myself personally, I've now banned myself from being an email. I, I have an assistant who um, is responsible for my email and I'm not allowed to go in and check until there's like she's sort of processed everything, gone through everything and given me a summary and then I'm allowed to go in and do it. And it's, it's amazing how I still just want to go in to, to find out information because it's like a drug. So 
So having those very intentional systems and in place are really important. And what I've learned with any system is you've got to understand that some of these bits of technology, like the phone, we've got the smartest people in the world whose sole role is to get you to spend more time on these devices. So thinking that we can just do it through mm-hmm. free will is really, really hard. So you've got to put barriers in place. So I do certain things like I don't have email on my phone anymore. Um, I leave my phone downstairs at certain times. I have all these systems in place to protect me because I'm really, the only thing I've discovered is out of mind. It has to be like a physical distance away from me because otherwise I'm going to keep accessing it. So I've got something for you that you're going to love if you haven't come across it yet. It's a book by Cal Newton and uh, it is called A World Without Email. He also wrote Deep Work. So anyway, those two things go together nicely. Mm-hmm. Just a great book. So I just want to bring this back because I think Jeremy brings up a really good point. This is the divide that that I think a lot of people struggle with. So I come to your event. I'm all inspired to be intentional. I'm going to work on my feelings. I'm going to bring it back to the office. And then reality hits. And I'm just in operational madness, say. So can you help us, can you give us a few tools that take us from, you know, the heady idea, I'm going to feel this feeling of impact, and now I've got to roll this out into the real world where my email inbox is full, for example. Yeah. So to start with, it it all happens on how you go to bed the night before. So I'm, I'm a big believer in morning routines, but the morning routine actually starts the night before. So in the evening... When you actually understand how the subconscious works, the most malleable time, the most impressionable time to imprint on the subconscious about what you really want is when you're in theta, which is the brainwave state just as you're falling off to sleep, that drowsy state. And what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're experiencing during that time will ultimately determine the decisions that are made in your life in the next few days or a week or two, because the subconscious will just take that on and go, all right, that's what they want to execute. So um, that's what they're feeling. So what this means is, is if you're feeling and thinking about stressful things, about fear, then you're going to create more of that in your life. If you're feeling more about love, you're feeling abundance, you're feeling possibility, then they're the things we're going to start showing in your life as well. So really being clear and I always say that when we talk about the creators, because ultimately that's what entrepreneurs are, we're creators. That there is your most sacred creation time of any part of the day. It's more important than anything else. We also get another opportunity when we first wake up in the morning, just as we're coming out of that drowsy state, rather than thinking about, oh, what you've got on today, get back in and start getting into that creation, like of the big picture. And if you do that, you're already ahead of 99% of the other people. Because you're now becoming a conscious creator, which is ultimately what I want everyone to do. So that'd be the first tool. Then in the morning, setting the intention. Going, okay, what's the intention for the today? How do I want to feel? What what's impact I want to have? What would look like a successful day? And then actually being disciplined, which is one of the, the principles of intentionality, is being disciplined and making sure that you're setting up your systems to create the environment for success. Like we understand environment is very important. So if we know, and we know this through science, that we can't multitask, 
um, every time something happens, we're distracted for 90 seconds or more, then we need to make sure that our environment doesn't have things coming in and, and affecting us and hijacking us. And it's yes. actually one of the challenges of the virtual world now is that we're on all the time. Anyone can just come into your office room, like open up the door and go, hey, Finn, can you help me with this? Where it used to be a bit more of a physical barrier to do that. So we need to almost think about our virtual world in a physical realm and go, do I want to be, do I want to be interrupted right now? And, and I think if you do that, we'll actually know. If you create those systems, then you're going to be able to start actually living and breathing and, and uh, putting all these systems and practices in place of intentionality. So to bring it to the physical realm, I, the, the, the way I look at this, what, what you're bringing up is when you're switching from one task to another. And when I worked in the, man, in the manufacturing, uh, it's referred to as retooling. Right, so it might be an automotive plant that does it once a year, or uh, it might just be a small little sprockets com manufacturing company, but whatever, whatever it is that you, when you have to change uh, your product, you sh you change your line out to be able to create a new product. It it's a huge load of energy to make that change. Now, our brain operates um, in a very similar way because anytime you shift from one task to another task that load is a really large load because you have to kind of stop, think what it was you were doing, where you were at, what you wanted to do, and then you need to kind of roll back into it. So it takes, I don't remember the number, but something like two or three minutes just to be able to switch over to do something else halfway decent. I, so that's just how I, th I always think of the cognitive realm and try and put it into, into the real world. The manufacturing seems to do it for me and the why I try to reduce the number of tasks so I can be intentional with each one. You know, not have to switch back and forth all the time. Is that good practice? I should ask you that, or is that stupid? <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's great, great good, practice. I'm sure. It's great practice. So a principle on intentionality is leverage energy instead of time. And this really applies this. So often we think that all time is equal, and it's not. One minute in one part of the day is not equal to another minute of the day. So really being aware of what is your energy right now and how is your energy impacting other people as well? Because there's certain times where you have greater energy and that's when you need to be doing your creative work. It also might be where you're, if you're having like team meetings, if you're not in a great energetic state, I give permission for the leader to say cancel the meeting because you're going to do more damage than you think about, well, the cost of rescheduling or missing on this meeting, it's going to be overwhelmed by your energetic experience because you you affect everyone else in the company. And then it has a flow-on effect and it can have like a rippling effect where it can last for a few days just because you were having a bad moment for, for an hour. And if you just let it go for a period of time, maybe then you could have had the meeting and had a lot of impact. So too often we allow our calendars to control us Calendars are there to really create freedom, but we need to be mindful of like, all right, just because we have that standing meeting, how are we showing up? Are we going to be able to create the impact that we want? Okay. So you're saying there, there are a few things here. So leaders need to be really clear and really intentional about their attitude with the team because it affects everything else that happens afterwards. And what I'm hearing you say is maybe most leaders aren't as intentional with that state. So you would, it seems like that's like a number one priority to you. Is that true? 
It's huge. It's we've got to think about the a company. We have an en- energy source. It's almost like a battery for for a car. And in the battery, for example, like a Tesla car, we have like multiple battery cells, which which in the, this example could relate to the individual humans. Now, uh, as a leader, effectively, you're the supercharger. You're the person who they come to. They're like, we're feeling a little bit drained. We need to be boosted up. And if you're if you become a supercharger, which suddenly doesn't have as much charge, and you start taking charge from the team, before you know it, they can't actually survive. The battery goes dead. So we are hmm. the most important person in the company. And if you think about it as energy and going, am I being energy additive or energy detractive from the company? It becomes very, very simple. And a lot of leaders are energy detractive. They're not aware of what they're doing to the team. And it's why so often when leaders go on sabbaticals or go to different breaks, often the team works better sometimes because the, the leader is, is not stopping them from, from actually being their full um, potential. Okay. So just one question about this. So let's say a leader is super stressed out, right? The economy is very volatile right now. I know a lot of leaders that that is affecting. So can you fake this or does it have to be authentic? It needs to be authentic. And that's where I'd say to you is as a leader is you need to do some personal work to explore why is it that you're allowing yourself to be so stressed. Like stress, you don't need to be stressed. Stress is your relationship to a particular event and the stories that you're telling yourself about it. And I always, like I had a mentor who would say, you either are able to like do something about an event and if you can, then do it. So then there's no point being stressed because you can actually do something. And if you can't do anything about it, then there's no point being stressed about it because you actually have no ability to impact it or change. So going over and over again in your head about, well, we'll come, the company's going, the globe world's going to recession, all these stories, they're just stories and you don't have to buy into it. And instead to go, by putting myself into the stressful state, I'm bringing cortisol, I'm lowering my ability to actually make decisions, which then is going to have a greater negative impact on the company. You can see that you're not adding any value. So it's, yes, be aware of what's going on, deal with it, and then move forward. And that's where you have to be in a place where you need to learn how to navigate different stressful situations to be able to work through it really quickly so you can just keep being the leader. And that's ultimately why you're the leader, is you need to be in a place where you're, you're being soothing and calming to everyone in the company rather than creating a cortisol, high cortisol environment. Got it. Okay. That's really helpful. So now as we lead through intentionality, okay, so let's say I'm a leader. I'm really working on myself. I'm being intentional, having good like attitude and energy when I meet with my team, but I'm meeting with a super operational team. So let's say the team's whole job it's is call center and they're solving customer service problems like within three minutes and that's the job. So how do I relay this like super positive intentionality to a team that is like really KPI driven and has to get results in dealing maybe with high stress items on the regular where maybe the fear would be as a leader that my woo woo intentionality talk is falling on deaf ears because the job is so hard. 
So I would just ask them, how do they feel when they allow things to build up in their in their in the situation? So when they've had a hard day, how does it feel? Like where is it in their body? And they'll all be able to give that answer. They're like, oh, I feel tight in my shoulders. I closed off. I noticed myself shutting down with my family when I get home. So you ask them, do you want to keep feeling like that? Or is there, if there was a way that you didn't feel that way, would you be open to that, to that methodology? And then actually giving them some really simple tools, like learning how to breathe properly, learning how to like deal with a situation, take a moment, release it, and then move forward, and then actually apply it. I always just say everything in intentionality is behavior-based. So you can just try it on. It's not a concept. You'll know very quickly whether it's working for you or not. And instantly people start getting positive feedback in their experience and they're like, oh, this stuff actually works. So that would be my my first approach is just like give them some tangible things to, to practice and then see how much better their life is. And it's amazing, just a simple breath. You taught everyone between every call to take three nice deep breaths before you get on the next call, their life would dramatically change in one of those high stress environments. And, and I've seen that. I've done it in actual companies. I've taught them basic techniques and suddenly they're like, wow, this actually works. Everything we need is inside of us. We just don't know how to activate it a lot of time. I think it's that reminds me of a really funny line that Chevy Chase did. Uh, you know, <laughs> he said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a bad mood. And, and I'd like to stay that way for a while because sometimes that's, I think that's the most honest answer. You just, that's, you know what, I'm in this space right now. It's just where I'm going to stay. But I think the point is, is that a lot of people, I just realized that I had a limited belief system. Like even when I said that last thing about the call center, like the call center is going to be hard. There's no way around it. You're going to be taking these three minute calls or calls within three minutes. The standards are high you know, just all this negative energy towards some job that's really hard. And, you know, how are you going to help people without them getting burned out? Well, the way that you just spoke, Phineas, Finian, why do I keep calling you Phineas? Phineas. Finian uh, is that we, I have a negative loop with that, like just accepting the difficulty of it. And it doesn't have to be that way. And then when leaders acknowledge that, hey, we have these negative perceptions about a specific job, but it doesn't have to be that way. You could do this joyfully. Here are a few steps to do it. Let's get feedback on if it worked or it didn't work and why, and have a meeting on how to make the job more enjoyable, less stressful, less burnout, that we can impact the lives of our employees who are super important to the business working. We can make them like their jobs better, and we can bring a more positivity to work in general. So really, I mean, a lot of it are these negative loops we have about certain positions that hold us back. Great self-awareness. You're so right. Everything comes down to negative belief loops. You have these programs which are determining your experience in the everyday life. And what's interesting is, is that what it, what's a belief? It's just a belief. It's a story. And you can interpret it any way you want. Someone else in another situation who has a call center, they don't believe it's hard work. They believe that this, wow, what an opportunity. We're on the front line. We're impacting our people. We get to bring joy to people's lives. And they come away and they're feeling incredibly invigorated, empowered, impactful, uh, and proud of what they do. So all I say is that you can believe whatever you want to believe just as long as the belief is serving you. And most people's beliefs aren't serving them. 
So why not choose another belief? And, and that's really the, the core of intentionality is uncovering what are your negative belief loops, identifying what would be the new positive belief loop, and then start doing the behaviors which actually enable that to happen. Wow. Really impactful. Yeah, we're going to have to have you on again sometime. This is so good. I love this, Vidian. I mean, I, I really think that this work can change the way people in hard industries. So, right, we work with a lot of people who uh, the work is really hard. I mean, our industry, historically, we work with people in all industries, but is property management where you know, there's a perception that someone's always mad. It's either the owner or the tenant or the employee or, you know, somebody's upset. And so we get, it's just re really high burnout, but we do have control over how we view everything. And if we're really aware of, of our negativity, we can turn it around. And that's kind of the message I'm getting from you. It is. And if, if we start having those views of our customers and people, they start actually fulfilling your, your manifestation effectively. Like it literally, everything is your reality. So people just start playing the role in your reality. So if you think everyone's going to be negative and you're going to start attracting more negative people. Instead, when you see someone, you might go, all right, I'm going to change my view. But when someone's actually expressing like they're unhappy, Rather than thinking that you've done something wrong, you go, whoa, this is a moment to surprise and delight them or to help them get out of that really stressful place yes. and, and, and put them in a pleasurable place. Like suddenly then you almost relish the negativity because you get to be this gift to them each day so making them feel a little bit brighter. And I always think about that with my Trader Joe's shopping experience. How much of a different experience is it when you shop at Trader Joe's at the checkout than the other supermarkets? Like they're there to bring a little joy to your day and you remember it. And even when sometimes I know myself, sometimes I've been a little bit cold to them and by the end I'm feeling better and I'm speaking more nice to them. And then that has a ripple effect on other people in my life the rest of the day as well. So never underestimate just how you can change someone's life and other people's around them just by a short few positive experiences with that person. Ah, oh, well, I love that. Great. That's yes. great stuff. Finney and Kelly. Now, yeah, I have another reason to go to Colorado. <laughs> Good. This was so helpful. Um, and we're going to have a link on the podcast notes on where people can find you. You do retreats for businesses, correct? I do. We do retreats. I do uh, founder and CEO coaching as well. And yeah, there's, and I do sort of strategic corporate alignment, which is awesome. Awesome. And you do a lot of things with YPO and EO as well, correct? I do. I do. I, I love those organizations and I speak to their, their chapters and, and do a lot of forum work as well, which is absolutely amazing because they they leaders who are committed and growing. And as a leader, it's very a lonely place. So organizations like YPO and EO, you get to be around incredible other leaders. You realize you're not alone. And you get to learn from them. So anyone out there, I just couldn't recommend these organizations. <laughs> just the best. I'll bring you up to my forum. Yeah, amazing, amazing show. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure with this message, you're really impacting a lot of workers and a lot of businesses. So yeah, thank I think you. we got to know you so well that I can start to call you Phineas. <laughs> 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 Thanks a whole bunch for coming on. Thank Phineas. you. I appreciate it.
Thank you. Yeah.